whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a Helen Hayes-nominated sound designer and composer-arranger. He frequently designs theater for young audience productions for Adventure Theater and the Smithsonian Discovery Theater. He has also designed in D.C. for Studio Theater, Signature Theater, First Stage, Gala Hispanic Theater, WSC Avant-Barde, and many others. Kenny Neal, everybody! Hi, everybody. Hey, Kenny, how you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming down here on this gloriously cold afternoon. (laughs) And you chose... I chose everyone's favorite, no one's favorite, everyone's favorite, <laughs> Starlight Express. Starlight Express, must confess, are you real, yes or no? Starlight Express, answer me yes, I don't want you to go. Well, it's somebody's oh, favorite. It's I mean, my you, favorite. You picked it's it, right? Mine, so yeah. somebody's got to have a favorite. Absolutely. So... <laughs> when you and I talked about you coming on the show months and months ago, mm-hmm. and when I asked you what you do, you didn't even pause. You just said Starlight Express. And no, I, I was excited. In, in fact, I was, I was waiting to be asked, actually. <laughs> I had it to all, all ready Express. to go. Yes. Yeah. So how did Starlight Express come into your, into your life? Uh, Starlight Express came into my life um, only a few years after it debuted. Um, uh, I was uh, a theater student in high school and um and it was just a show that we all knew and it was a show that we we all liked because you know we liked everything that mm-hmm. came out uh and um it was not until 1990 that uh, i actually saw the first saw the production for the first time and saw the original production in london mm, okay um so uh yeah it's 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 been a show that i've always loved and i've always had a soft spot for and i i recognize its faults <laughs> and I can discuss its faults. Well, we'll get to that. Sure. Yeah. Cause this show is the reputation of this show is hilarious to me. I mean, sure. I think it's still running in Germany. I believe that is correct. It's like the longest running show in that, German yeah. theater history mm-hmm. since 1988. Yeah. And it yeah. just, it opened in London in 84, I believe, That's right. And opened in New York in 87. 7,000 some productions in London and 700 Right, in, in the United States, which is nothing to sneeze at. But yeah. it is because it's kind of viewed as, I don't want to say it's viewed as a flop in America, but it's certainly not respected, it, revived, or whatever a, you want to call it's, it. It's a, it's a show about a gimmick. Right. Yeah. And it opened the same year, I think, as Les Mis. Is that correct? I believe uh, it did. It, it did. Yeah. It did. Which and is, uh, Trevor, so Trevor Nunn had two London transplants he, going he, on. He did. And I think, uh, I think in a lot of ways... Um, you know, not not that the the errors of Starlight Express's ways would have been corrected had Les Mis not existed, but mm-hmm. certainly uh, Les Mis made it easier to ignore Starlight right. Express. Yeah, um, and I think that you know, uh, even when it debuted, it was sort of not even really a product of its time anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, being on roller skates, being about child's toys. Um, but I think, uh, I, at least my theory, that you know this was a show that had been gestating with Andrew Clay Weber since the '70s, and right. he had done some sort of uh, initial recordings of songs that some made it in the show, some didn't. Um, but I really think it was his success with Cats, yeah, as a show that was just basically about a bunch of characters and a very sort of 
bare thread plot. Right. Um, I don't want to say style over substance, but let's say style let's over say substance. Sti- yeah. I, I, think, I think we can agree. That <laughs> yeah. This is a show about style over substance. Yeah. Um, but I also think that it was not helped by the fact that um, there seems to be the perception that every subsequent production has tried to correct the show and somehow yeah. write the show. And in, in my opinion, it's just, it's just made it unwatchable. Well, it went through this huge rewrite even during its initial 7,000 performance run in, in London. Mm-hmm. Um, where they they rewrote it, they re, they redid big chunks of it, and they put out a whole new cast album for it with new songs. And they did new, yeah. in '93, uh, I believe. something oh, like that. that. Might have been the German production. Yeah, sometime around. Yeah, but yeah. Then, I mean, it's funny to do a show that had been running for thousands of performances in London, right. close it, right, retool and, it, and then reopen it, kind of in the same run, and and took out significant characters from the show as well. Yeah, um, uh, CB and Bell were both casualties of uh, later revisions. Um, and I think that was probably an attempt to, to, to simplify the plot line in a way. Right. I, but I don't know that that's what the problem was with the show. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, let's, that's a good – let's get there. So, Kenny. Yes. What the hell is this show about? <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Well – And we can do, like, the short version and then if you want to do a longer version, sure, we can. Sure. Well, it's, it's, it's my understanding that uh, what Andrew Lloyd Webber originally wanted it to be about was uh, about the Thomas the Tank Engine character. Yeah, that's what my research right. uncovered. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I believe that had something to do with he wanted to create a show for his children. Right. Um, Joseph and Jesus Christ Superstar not being shows that he felt his children were identifying with, I guess, maybe. Yes, Joseph's pretty. Yeah. Well, anyway. Well, Thomas, it should be said, Thomas the Tank Engine, the books, mm-hmm. were massive in England. Right. And a child, and that's where the show comes from, is they're from these books. And then the show is big, was big here in the United States, but the books were, this is a, it would have been a hot children's property. Right. To adapt at the and, time. And it's, I guess it's not surprising that even with, you know, the success that Lloyd Webber had had up to that point that, um, you know, the the author of the books was reluctant to yeah. allow him to take it in new directions. And, and he and, did really want to shake it up and, and clearly, make it yes. yeah, something different, which is, I yeah. mean, Thomas, I don't know if you've ever read any of the Thomas books to your kids or anything. I've not. I've seen the show. It, it, they're very much like the show. Yeah. Nothing happens. The right. stakes couldn't be lower. Yes. And it, so it wouldn't make for the best two-hour musical no. ever on a West End production. I mean, you know, you could do a simple, like, a little, you know, something in adventure and just think in an hour and that'd sure. be fun and entertaining. I, I bet that would be But lovely. that wasn't clearly what, no. what the, his lordship wanted. So, no. and so anyway. And, and, and so, and so, I mean, uh, you know, really there, the, 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 there is no plot per se. I mean, it is, it is a, a, a bunch of trains gathered together for a, uh, a competition that is raced in, uh, a collection of races and they, Pair up and break up and pair up with each other and others and and eventually uh, the idea of the Starlight Express is introduced and I still not entirely sure what that is. Okay, that but... was a big question for me. <laughs> yeah. what the hell is the Starlight Express? And and and, exactly. and and it's you know it's introduced as some sort of um, inspirational train that the other trains can aspire to become, but only one is chosen. Again, like cats. Yeah, that, uh, that is a lot like that. And then we find out that Rusty was the starlight all along. Oh, okay. okay I, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so it's 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 um it's n- it's it's clear why they probably felt uh, in subsequent productions that they needed to try to fix this and add a story that made sense because the story doesn't make sense. 
Because it is just a series of races, right? It really it is, is a series of Rusty's races. Rusty's the yeah. main character. It's, it's a series of um, introducing characters, uh, introducing uh, the relationships between the characters, uh, having the characters race, having the characters uh, cheat, win, triumph, what have you, right. um, until we get to the end and uh, there is a, not even quasi, there is a religious ceremony to convert... <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Okay, uh, a diesel train into a steam engine. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, that's that's how the show ends. Which is the biggest idea that comes over from the Thomas the Tank Engine universe? Right. Uh, diesel trains are the bad guys, mm-hmm. and the steam trains are the good guys. Which right. is a, I mean, I don't get it, but whatever. That's the sort of method, like the, it, which is a very British. Thing. I mean, to have a country that's entirely connected by rail, that they, they would have had like these older steam trains were the the good guys in right. quotation marks, and in the right. Thomas stories, the diesel trains are always the bad guys. And and the idea of nationalism is 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 very present throughout the show. Um, uh, you know, trains from other countries um, are brought in um, and introduced as you know the. I, I don't know how they're bringing in trains from other right. countries, but but we'll just go with that. Right. Um, and so other tra- so so these these. There is the there is the conceit that you have this central idea that it is steam versus diesel versus electric, mm-hmm. um, Electra being the electric train, right? And the character ball. names in this show are uh, fantastic. Greaseball is the diesel. Yeah, right. they, they, they pretty much the bad guy. Landing on these, yeah. <laughs> Greaseball the diesel train. Right. Uh, Electra the electric train. Well, the dining car is Dinah. Right? Dinah. Uh, Buffy the buff the buffet buffet car. car. Does the sleeping car have a cool name? Bell. Bell is okay. the sleeping That's, car. And yeah. Pearl is the first class coach. Right. The romantic interest yeah. of Rusty because right. the trains need a romantic interest. And then there's uh, there's Dustin, the uh, the aggregate uh, hopper. Okay. Um, the three Rockies. I know. At the three Rockies, Rocky 1, 2, and 3. They added a fourth in a later production because <laughs> they a, the enough. movie had come out. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Yes. I like that. Okay, and uh, and flat top the flat top car, which I think they could have done a little a l- to try a little hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah, make yeah. a little put a little effort yeah. into that. And okay. then there's Papa, who is the the retired uh, steam train engine, who is the mentor, to Rusty. right? Who had was a former steam engine champion. Yes, right. Because yes. one of the bits in the show is that steam engines aren't as fast as diesel engines, so they can never win races. But Papa was a yes, champion. Yes, and, 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 and Papa and Rusty's uh, jobs as the show starts are to uh, help just move cars around the, the freight yard. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not... They're not uh, Shunting trucks, yes. as they say. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> God, I watched a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to watching it all again. <laughs> right. And, and so... Um, uh, and and, the, and there are other you know other cars and like I said there are other engines. Um, uh, diesel uh, greaseball the diesel engine is is typically portrayed as American. Mm-hmm. Um, is Pearl American as well? Um, it's unclear. In There's fa- some lyric I noticed today listening to it where he says something. He calls her Miss America. That was cheating. What you did to him there wasn't fair. Hey, come on, we won. With that kind of talk, you take care. No, I'm a saying it just wasn't fair. Okay, that does it, I'm getting here. Now on Miss America, go free chat someone. Race with me, you use my rules. You had your chance, you blew it, so we're through. 
And I don't know if that's supposed to be a dig uh, or, or I, what. I think that's 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 more of a dig. I don't know that it's so much a, uh, a comment on who she is as much as commenting on her sort of uh, goody two-shoes mm, kind of okay. approach to his cheating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like him cheating. Yeah. Um, so he fires her. So he fires her. Right. Uh, nothing nothing right. Re- relative to today at but, all. But what's interesting is that there, uh, there is a British train. And there's mm. a joke in the show that um, in one of the later heats when Papa, um, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. uh, when Papa steps into race, um, it's because the British train has broken down and created an empty slot in the third heat. Oh, uh, okay. And apparently that was something that got sort of a local reference inside laugh to the <laughs> London audiences. Um, Where are they? Are they in England or are they in America? I've always thought they were in America because they're so um, – I mean, it's just an assumption on my part. I right. could be completely wrong, but I've always read it as um, – because of the distance and because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but that, who knows? Because the mean, accents are all over the place. The there's accents, no way. There's some very, like there's some Cockney trains, there's some Northern right. English trains, but there's some clearly American trains, like right. you say, and British right. trains. And yeah. What's interesting is that on the original cast album, uh, the international trains are not represented at all. Um, hmm. They're not introduced. They're not. I was going to say I didn't know that there were international no. And trains. in fact, the the three uh, initial races that includes the international trains, um, those are not present on the cast album either. Well, yeah, you just you mentioned this before we started recording. Yeah. This idea that there are there are so, so the races. Right. <laughs> Let, let's talk about the races. So this yeah. show is structured around five heats of one race, basically. The, is the that sh- correct? The show is. The album is not. Right. That's what you told me before. That yes. the all the. The instrumental, which is the races are all right. instrumentals, are not on the album, and when they are, they're in the wrong order. It's it's interesting, and this is this is a little bit of tinfoil hat territory. But um, <laughs> so the 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 first race um, is between uh, Electra Greaseball and uh, Hashimoto and Espresso, which are the <laughs> Japanese. Can I guess what countries they're and from? Italian okay, right. trains, Yes, gotcha. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and <laughs> it's not offensive per se, but no. it's just a little again on the nose. I would say yeah. everything's kind of on yeah. the nose. All right. And and Greaseball cheats. Greaseball wins. And Greaseball wins. Yes. Um, the the second race is between uh, Rusty and Elektra, and uh, uh, Rurgold, I believe, is the name of the German train. Okay. And uh, Elektra wins. Um, the third race, which would have been between the British train, the Russian train, and uh, Bobo, who I forget who where Bobo was from, but mm-hmm. that's just that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um and, and Papa. Papa replaces the British train. And um so so they have those three initial heats as qualifiers for the final race. And the final race is done in two parts. There's the uphill race mm-hmm. and then there's the downhill race. Um on the cast album, in the in the slot where the first race would be, the first heat between Electra Greaseball and uh, the Italian and Japanese trains they have moved the track for the uphill finale oh into that slot on the cast album okay and then in the and then the second the downhill is where the downhill would be so okay and and the only reason i'm positing this conspiracy sure. theory is um they're instrumental numbers there's you know there's no dialogue right. there's no announcer announcing what's going on in the race but you do hear the musical motifs of each of these main characters. You hear Electra's oh, okay. music, you mm-hmm. hear Greaseball's music, um, and, uh, and, and, and so that just makes it, at least for me, from a sound perspective, that just makes it clear of, well, this actually, you know, because at the end there's a big fanfare and it plays the motif of the person, the character, the train who mm-hmm. won, 
and so uh, it, it took a little sleuthing, but that's, right, that, but that's, that's why my you theory. Think that. Yeah, um, and that's fine. I mean, I think my recollection of uh, hearing the different heats was that it's you know they they were all very similar musically. Mm-hmm. You might you might have slightly different arrangements and slightly different you know music for who's winning, who's losing, that kind of thing. Um, so I can understand from a from a space perspective and from a repetition perspective why they probably made that edit to the album. But from a uh, <laughs> OCD, right, <laughs> listen to it a million times, right, perspective, uh, you, you start to you start to think about what you're hearing and think, wait, this can't that isn't what I heard. Yeah, this yeah. Why why are they playing that? Thing? That's this character's not racing right now, or this right. character didn't win. So. Wow. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just picturing how many times you had to listen to this before <laughs> that occurred to you. Because that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So <laughs> so you saw it in, in the West End. Mm-hmm. And you, at that point, but knew it very, very well. I knew it very Was there well. anything that that took you off guard when you saw it? Um, you know, I, I felt like I knew the story well enough from listening to the cast album repeatedly. Um, and I, you know, this is pre-internet so 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 i'd seen photos uh from the um the lp jacket and then the booklet i was not prepared (laughs) (laughs) because the roller rink yeah because they're on i don't think we've mentioned yet maybe Mm -hmm. we have that they're on roller skates and the roller rink goes around the roller rink goes around the theater it it, um it is it is multi-level it is at its heart um essentially a big skate bowl, mm-hmm. a half bowl. And then it, it, it bisects the orchestra level and uh, ramps up into the balcony level. And then there's a humongous uh, steel bridge on a gimbal that moves around and connects different parts of the uh, the, the balconies. Right. So that, um, and it's, it's, it's such a monumental undertaking that in some ways... Um, you spend you spend a lot of time just worrying about people getting hurt. Right, that is the double edged sword to that kind of <laughs> yeah. set complexity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of uh, you, you know there's a lot of uh, I wouldn't say acrobatics, but there's a lot of sort of stunt skating. And there are people mm-hmm. in the show who are obviously there because they are uh, right. This is what they do. This is what they do. Um, it's it's a show that uh, has moments of breakdancing. Like you do. Because it's 19. Because it's 1984, right. Yeah. What well, has a song in it called The Rap? The Rap. Which isn't a rap. I mean, yes. I just really, like, yes. it's got a beat, yes, more I... pronounced beat than the rest of the songs, but it is not a rap. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know it's it's it's, it's interesting, and I'm I'm going to tread lightly because I don't feel qualified to speak at length about this. But there's, I mean, race is um, there is an obvious approach that Andrew Lloyd Webber seems to be taking with the people of color in the show, mm-hmm. um, who are Papa, Papa, Rusty, Rusty uh, the Boxcars, and Bell. Okay, are are all people of color? Um, Electra was originated by uh, Jeffrey Daniel. Who was um, from Shalimar, and um, and is 
phenomenal performer. Um, and, and, and I don't know what that says, and I don't want to mm-hmm. pretend that I have any understanding or insight or even that it is trying to say anything in particular. But, you know, you have the song Papa's Blues, which is right. one of the... It's practically a Weird Al song. It is one of the least effective blues <laughs> songs. <laughs> first line of the blues is always sung a second time. It exists only in its lyrics to explain how lyrics of the blues work mm-hmm. and that harmonicas are disgusting. Oh, okay. And um, and perhaps to demonstrate that there is some sort of cultural understanding of Papa's background that we are supposed to have. I guess it is supposed to be in America because there is, as you're saying, that there's a lot of, I'm going to, in quotation marks, country music in this show. There is. There's um, a full-out Tammy Wynette number. Yeah, on U-N-C-U... Hang on, let me do it. U-N-C-O-U-P-L-E-D. There we go. There we go. Right. Yep. It's a gimmicky song, to be sure, mm-hmm. and seems to exist. It's one of those songs that feels retrofitted to me, just so at the end she can spell. It's a song with a, with a trajectory. Yes, it was, absolutely. It was to that last yeah, it's, yeah, it's all leading up to this, yeah. and when she does it, you kind of go, uh, yeah, but you know, Rich, Richard Stilgo, the the lyricist, I, I, he made it work. <laughs> he does. This this is a funny, like lyrically, it's a funny show because mm-hmm. I think Andrew Lloyd Webber is a tricky person to write lyrics for. It seems to me because your yeah. lyrics are doing a lot of work, and I don't think anyone's ever gotten it as right as Tim Rice has in the three sh- or three or four shows they wrote together. I, I agree. I mean, you know, T. S. Eliot obviously, you know, Andrew Lloyd well, Webber right. was working around. Yes. But also that. Trevor Nunn wrote a bunch of lyrics for, for Cats yeah. as well. To, well, turned the poems into sure. lyrics, I yeah. should say. Yeah, because there is a difference <laughs> between poetry and lyricism. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's there are some moments in this show, and they're mainly informational or they're borderline recitative moments where characters are just like pumping out information oh, where the uh, lyrics get clunky as hell. Absolutely. And, and, and I think uh, you see that in... Um, like a, a very lengthy number, uh, freight, mm-hmm. where we are introduced to the majority of the freight cars and the coach cars. Yeah, and they have a little back and forth about whether it's you know preferable to be hauling stuff versus hauling people. Freight, it's freight. Freight, it's freight. Freight.
so expositional. Yeah. And it's so like, now it's my turn. Mm -hmm. It's my turn. And now it's my turn. Mm -hmm. And now it's my turn. Yeah. Um, that you you appreciate the, the the cleverness of the lyrics, but at the same time, I don't know that artistically you are getting the most satisfactory yeah experience. And it is the sort of. I think one of the, like, I've given Tim Rice a lot of guff on this podcast, and I will continue to mm-hmm. because I love him, and he deserves you know I will continue to poke him with a stick. <laughs> but um, he is a dramatist, yes, and and wrote you know structured a lot of the shows that he and Interlude Weber worked together dramatically. And right. Richard Stilgo is not Richard Stilgo no. is a lyricist. Don Black, who is, is another Interlude Weber collaborator, is a lyricist. Yeah. And there's a difference between knowing how to structure dramatic information and knowing how to put words together that rhyme. And I think that might be part of the problem. Because Angela Weber is not a dramatist. I mean, it, it, I think very clearly. Absolutely. And, it, and it's interesting because I, I, I feel more of a, uh, a natural connection between Jesus Christ Superstar and chess mm-hmm. than I do between Jesus Christ Superstar and Starlet Express. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah. I feel a much more st- – I, I feel the, the through line here goes uh, right to aspects of love mm-hmm. for me. Like yeah. there's a very clean line I can draw between Starlet Express and aspects of love. We yes. have very similar kind of – very different musical styles. <laughs> very similar issues, however. Um, right. Uh, yeah. It's a lot <laughs> – it's a lot of assuming that like – and even Phantom. I would say Phantom's in the same line too. Mm-hmm. A lot of like – we're just going to like we're going to assume a lot about what's happening and a lot about like and like little questions come up like you say like how did these trains get here how do they get around how do they right. talk to each other like how I don't do, think any know. of that mattered to to them no and you can get away with it yeah. in roller skates on stage but like you do yeah. lose the fact that these are like technically supposed to be trains like you know they, which is one of the things yeah. that if you've ever watched Thomas the Tank Engine mm-hmm. leads to some true moments of hilarity when you try to have trains interact with each other right. and they're on tracks I mean right. obviously it's problematic and you know according to uh, uh, an introduction that Trevor Nunn wrote in the um, in the um, the playbill for the show. Uh, the the roller skating idea did not come first. Oh, really? It, that that uh, the idea of trains and the idea of was not something that. Um, and when they finally landed on that, and when they finally decided, okay, this is the way we're going to try to solve this, um, the audition process in London. Yeah. Changed, uh, changed, <laughs> certainly. I mean, and 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 from and from from what he writes, uh, apparently the the number of injuries just coming out of auditions, and the yeah. number of actors in London who were just laid out for weeks because right. they Knees rolled an and ankle ankles, and, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and and we're finding people that could skate, but they couldn't sing, or we're finding people who could sing, but there's no way in heck they're getting them up on skates. Right. One thing interesting also is that. Uh, Wireless uh, microphones were were not new at this oh, point. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, but they were still a technology that hadn't quite been perfected. Right. Um, and so there was, uh, and th- there was just a lot of effort put into the tech of the show of of how do we, because you know when 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 the trains are racing, um, sometimes the costumes include a complete. Uh, head covering mm-hmm. that looks a little bit like the front of a train right. or stylized front of, the, of a train. Right. Um, so you think about that and you think about the fact that, okay, and they're moving around and they're, they're, they're on these ramps. And, and do they have dialogue ramps. during the races at all or is it pretty much just? Um, I think there is incidental dialogue here mm-hmm. and there. Um, but, but the thing that always amazed me is that um, I don't recall people being particularly out of breath. During the show? Oh. I mean, they're... Yeah. 
usually for the big ballads and when they're belting it out, you know, they're not racing around. Right. Um, but there still is movement and there still is, you know, uh, uh, it, it's it's an incredibly active show. I mean, yeah. I think they are, you know, definitely trying to create a spectacle um, and you're not going to do that by having people just sort of right. rolling just gently. Sort of back and forth yeah. and yeah, side to side. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and I can only imagine how demanding that is for a performer to, you know, have to do that much movement and, and be moving that fast and, and be so aware of uh, the choreography so that you're not slamming into each other at right. full speed uh, and, and still sing. Yeah. And still, have, and and still, still have be a character. A character. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. So hold on to everything that's going on and remember, write them on skates. Right. So this is, I mean, the show deserves more respect. <laughs> well, I certainly, as a, as a, as like a physical challenge and a, and a technical challenge, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but again, as an artistically satisfying but, experience. Right. It, it maybe doesn't, yeah. doesn't come to this. I mean, we're coming yeah. in, this is so funny that this, and of course it's Trevor Nunn, because it's always Trevor Nunn, mm-hmm. who was at the for- forefront of these sort of technological theatrical, I mean, because Cats, it should be said, sure. had some pretty impressive technological moments. Mm-hmm. And we're also coming into that sort of Cameron McIntosh is coming into his own as this sort of like every show is going to have a, a thing in it that is yeah. like a technological beat. So you have, you know, like the, the tire in Cats, you have mm-hmm. the barricade in, in uh, Les Mis, you have the chandelier in Phantom, you have the helicopter in Miss Saigon, like right. these moments where it's just like, how did they do that? That's part of the, right. the draw. But this whole show seems to be like... I would imagine sitting on the edge of your seat, like being like, no, ev- okay, everybody's fine. Okay. Like and at every, yeah. every end of every song, you kind of take a breath and yeah. then you're back into the panic. And it's, and it's, and it's, you know, it's relief, but it, it's, it's also slight disappointment. Because, well, right. <laughs> you know. Well, and the German production, I think, is held in like a rink, like a converted arena that has like, is yeah. built for this sort of thing, which would take a little bit of that. Yeah. fear out of it because you're in a setting where you're like, oh, this is like all clearly been built for this show. And and they had to have known at the time that um, they were creating uh, a production that would only ever be remounted under the most, right? You know, um, advantageous of circumstances. Because oh, sure. Because this is not a, this is not an easy to do show. Um, if it had flopped, it probably would have been like the most expensive flop to that point. I mean, it really probably. would have been. You know, probably, this would yes. have. Yeah, this is a huge risk financially yeah. for people to do. Yeah. Although I have, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can find um, uh, community theater productions and they, where they're just using a flat proscenium stage. And Are they on roller, roller skates? Yes. Oh, jeez. It's like a Christopher Guest movie, though. Like, I can't even. <laughs> I know. Because I, I was, as we were talking about this, I was kind of imagining like the so-and-so senior center production of. of <laughs> well, the senior center, stress. then we could just do it in wheelchairs. Right there you go, and everybody just rolls back and forth. Yeah. But I mean, it's this feeling of like Segways. high school kids on. Right. Yeah, it's got, segways would be good actually. <laughs> they can go pretty fast. Uh, like senior citizen or like uh, high school students on rollerblades, like trying to do the show. Yeah. Every time I see like, is it Return to Oz the movie that has the roller skating the bad guys? Yeah, the wheelies. Yeah, okay, yeah. The that's terrifying. always what. Right. That's always what I think. Now those people, th- those characters have all four wheels. Yes. Or all four appendages on and roller right. skates. Like this is and they're is on just feet, right? arm and leg stilts. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. But, to but, exaggerate yeah. their position. But Starlet yeah. Express. It's it's just the regular old uh, um, roller boogie Xanadu. Good you know, grief. Four wheel right. roller skates. Oh yeah. With a toe stop. Yeah. <sighs> Man. And laces, not Velcro. I mean, it's oh, just well, it regular, is more secure. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. yeah. Jeez, and nobody got hurt when you saw it. Nobody wiped out. Nobody. Not that I. Not, not that, that you noticed. Yeah. That's true, right? Yeah. Maybe did happen. Yeah, they, they didn't have to hold. 
House lights did not. Everybody come stop! Up. Everybody stop! Right. I was talking about Beth Amon about Wicked yesterday, and mm-hmm. we talk about like yeah, that show obviously has some famous technological problems with the the flying every yeah. now and again uh-huh. that are all, all on YouTube for you to for everyone to enjoy. Um, yeah. But this is a much more, as I think I said before we started recording, Spider-Man turn off the dark kind of scenario where if somebody's getting hurt, somebody's I, really getting hurt. I think so. Yeah. yeah. The stakes are pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think, you know, it's it's probably less about falling down, but it's more about running into each other because there's a lot of right. crosses and there's a lot of sort of synchronized. Yeah. Um, and you got to time it exactly right. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that we've said this. It's not It's not always just individuals skating around. It's, it is hands on hips. I was going to say, because there is there's a running theme of people having like, well, one, Rusty loses one of the races because one of the cars slows him down yes. on purpose. Um, that is uh, CB, the red caboose. Okay. Who is uh, a favorite of people who enjoy this show. <laughs> Fan favorites, CB, yes. the Red Caboose. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and CB is introduced as, uh, you know, he's the reliable CB. He's, he's always at the back of the track. He's mm-hmm. got you covered. Um, but it turns out that he's actually the villain of the show. Again, spoiler really? alert. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, CB... Well, not anymore, you said, because they cut him, right? Not anymore. But they, in this production, he's yeah. the villain. Okay. And um, and he goes through this... this litany. He has this wonderful song... Um, uh, toward the end when he's found out where he starts uh, confessing to all of the various uh, historical train disasters that he oh was gosh. actually responsible for. And, right. and you get the idea of, you can imagine, um, uh, still going, Lloyd Weber just, just coming up with, okay, all the these great brainstorming sessions, right. just anything train related. Right. You know? And, and, um, but it's a great song. And, and it's also one of those numbers that, uh, really demonstrates the, the, the demands that were put on, on the singing of the show. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I mean, I think it's like a three octave range song for that oh, wow. character. Um, there's there's a point in Electra's introduction song uh, where uh, um, a soprano singing uh, in support it needs to hit I think it's a high D or something like that. It's it's mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of sort of technical really challenging things going on in this show, and they're on roller skates. Right on top of everything, yeah. wearing absurdly complicated costumes as well. I Abs- mean it's yes, so like so much. Foam and <laughs> and big big headset. Yeah. Like you and I were looking at the the booklet you brought mm-hmm. in. Uh, also, aside from the fact, <laughs> the terrible terrible photography in yes. in this booklet. I, it's funny looking at like you expect a show like this that is such a set costume show mm-hmm. to have high glossy excellent photographs of its original production. Right. But if you Google Starlight Express production photos or, or original mm-hmm. Western or something, you come up with very very few. Photographs and all the photographs you yeah. can see are of more recent, sort of even glossier productions. The, yeah, and 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 I, I mean, I'm not a photographer, but I, I look at these and I can only imagine. Well, clearly, um, these are not setups. They're they're just taking right. You know, uh, the production photos. Production yeah, photos. as the show yeah. goes on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which you'd have to do when the characters are on. Like right. getting people to pose on roller skates must be a disaster. Right. Yeah, but it's also it's also such a flashy show, and I'm sure that. Um, for purposes of people being able to hit their marks mm-hmm. and, um, you know, follow spots and whatever, what have you, they 
I would imagine the lighting designer probably went for more of just like, yeah. let's just make it busy. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So when you look at the production photos and you see that, you know, people are often in uh, at least partial, if not complete, shadow. Yeah. And, um, and blue. A lot the, of blue. The fil- yeah. yeah. The film speed is clearly not fast enough to pick up the motion. So there's right. a lot of stylized, blurry Well, as we sort of decided, yeah, yeah, like I think it was an accident and then they just yeah. decided to go with it's it because like, well. there's a lot of blurry photographs in that book. I mean, a lot of blurry <laughs> not photographs. Not paying for a second session. No, absolutely so. not. Um, we're not spending any more money on this. That, that, see, and that's the thing I always feel about those cast album things. Like, right. like it is the it feels like penny pinching to me. It feels like, listen, we're not going to – we're spent – like you have a day – you have however many rolls of film you bring. We'll pay yeah. for that, and that's it. And you give us what you get afterwards, right. and we'll take it, and we'll, right. we'll make something of it. And, and it may not have even opened at that point. I mean, it, it, right. it, in fact, it probably had not because yeah. they probably needed them for, for press. Um, so who knows if the costumes were done, if, or if, they were, if, if lighting was complete. Um, right, if this was the show that yeah. everybody was going was gonna to go see. Yeah. yeah. It's surprisingly not a very well-documented show. And, 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 the, and the point that I – had raised earlier about the um, the discrepancy of the races mm-hmm. and where they're placed on the cast recording. The the fact that it's so difficult to to figure that out. It, it's 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 odd to me because Cats had been so big, mm-hmm. and Phantom was so big, and and this fit right in between. And it's just this it's the show that was just not really documented well. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, like. M- it seems like the money was spent elsewhere. Like that's sure. just like th- this was an expensive show to put together. Mm-hmm. But like even this, this is a, there's a full cast photo somewhere near the finale, I'd imagine. Uh-huh. And I can make out maybe three faces. Yeah, clearly. And it's that's absurd. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really feels like at this point the photographer brought the wrong, the wrong film. Like they have the wrong. <laughs> well, really, like they have the wrong ISO film, and like it's just they right. had to they had to open up the the shutter as a result. Well, the money they spent on welding that bridge piece. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very impressive to look at if only I could see it clearly. Yeah. Because you think, like, that's the thing that's funny to me is that you think that that's the selling point. Like, that's the whole the whole thing. Because there are no right. – there's no, like, hit single off this. There's there's really not. Have. There's two songs early, though, that stick out to me as problematic, shall we sure. say. The first is Pumping Iron. It's basically the Pharaoh song from Joseph, but it yep. is it, it's it's just kind of whatever. The song that really gets on my nerves, though, like listening to this, and especially I was listening to it today with headphones on, and it, it's, it's ACDC. And ACDC has this thing in the synthesizers where they flip back and forth between the channels. Yeah. 
which yeah. in a stereo would be fine. Yeah. Maybe not, but maybe. But like in headphones, when you're it, like these tinny like synthesizer beat is going back and forth is, is yeah, hurts it's, a little it, bit. It's an interesting song because although the entire show really does embrace um, 80s synthesizer technology. Yes. That song, most of all, is putting it front and center as a way of demonstrating that Electra is the future of trains. Right. Or at least supposed, supposed to be the to future, be the future of, trains. of trains. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of odd things going on because, um, I mean, obviously the the implied gender fluidity, even though this is a train, right. um, that's clearly the mm-hmm. message of the song. Right. Um, the fact that the song itself is in 7-8, so it's in, yeah. it's in a, a non-standard sort of unbalanced meter. Which is a favorite of Andrew Lloyd Webber's. There's a lot of superstars in 7-8, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, key modulation. There's a lot of sort of weird harmonic dissonance. Um, I mean, I... And again, getting back to our, our where I think we keep landing, I find it incredibly interesting, but I don't necessarily find it to be a satisfying artistic. Well, it's too experience. much. It's yeah. it's like this this show is simultaneously to me like too much and not enough. So there's too much like that one song mm-hmm. you just named four things that song does to right. get its point across when two would have done. Yes, two would have done beautifully. You yeah. get it in seven eight. And like and, and embrace that because like you say the synthness of it makes perfect sense. It's an electric train. These are electric instruments. Right. Beautiful. Right. But then to add all the key modulations and all the synthesizers, like it, it does feel like that's just and eventually right. it's a cacophony. Like I can't I can't take in this information in anymore. The other question I had though was yep. there's this concept I- introduced in He Whistled at Me, I believe, mm-hmm. where is that Dinah? No, that's, that's Pearl. Pearl. Pearl is mm-hmm. uh, Pearl has no one to race with. Rusty says you can race with me, and she says no. She wants to race with the steam engine. He's like, well, I am a steam engine. She yeah. says, no, you're not the steam engine from my dream. And he kind of goes, okay. And then she sings a song about. Well, it's interesting because she she does say that, but but before she says, you're not the steam engine from my dream. She says, oh, you're a steam engine. Can you whistle? Yeah, Let me all, hear and, it. And then he and then he and he whistles and he whistles, and she's like. Yeah, that's not it. That's not the whistle I heard in my dreams. So, so she doesn't at the end. But then you said like she settles for him. She doesn't when he becomes the starlight. He's not the steam engine well, from her dreams. Well, yeah, because that's a pretty simple narrative like through line. Rusty, uh, R- Rusty realizes he is the starlight with with Papa's mm-hmm. help. Um, again, I don't know what that means. <laughs> But <laughs> I was really hoping you did. And it, but it's good to know that, like, you know the show really right. well. You've seen it and you is, don't know. That means there is no answer. Is, he's, yeah. I mean, is he now ruler of trains? I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All bow before the majesty right. of Starlight Express. That's true. There's no reward to it. He's just, he's the starlight. No, yeah. he's. And in fact, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> that it, because because uh, um, Rusty wins the race largely because Electra and Greaseball start fighting amongst themselves on the track. Okay. Um, and then the Rusty ends up winning. So Rusty wins by default. This that's is also a, a very Thomas, like I mean, so that's a very yeah. Thomas and Friends thing um, to do. But it's after learning that he is the Starlight, which you think would be reward enough that perhaps he doesn't need to. To win. To win. Yeah. So then Rusty wins and uh, Pearl is suitably impressed. Right. Decides that Rusty is now the steam engine of her dreams. Okay. Um, and maybe, and maybe that was because Rusty wasn't self-actualized. Maybe it's because See, there was some I would, flaw. I mean, we, I don't, I don't want to just put it on Pearl. Right. Rusty clearly had some growing up to do. But what is? Well, no, certainly true. I mean, there is that. But what you'd expect? I mean, as a writer, mm-hmm. if you're going to introduce this idea that there is a steam engine of her dreams who has a very specific whistle, and it's right. obviously Rusty. Right. 
that when Rusty wins the race, he would blow his whistle and it would suddenly be the whistle from her dream. Like, that's a pretty straight line that I would draw. You, yeah. And oh, if that yeah. doesn't get drawn, it raises the, it, it, it right. but it just, it reinforces this concept of this show that it's like, there's a lot of things that are introduced and then either dropped or dismissed or Again, disregarded. A satisfactory artistic <laughs> experience. Is there a credited book writer on this show? I don't, <laughs> I don't, no, I don't I, think there is. Is there? No. And it's, no. Um, that's bananas. No, I think it's just music and lyrics. Um, and it is just Richard Stilgo and Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? Yeah. We're looking at it right now, mm-hmm. and we are seeing... No, there is no credited book writer on nope. this show, which leads me to believe there wasn't one, which then leads me to believe we may have found our problem. Yes. Because it never decide if it was just a character, if it was just cats, mm-hmm. which is essentially a character piece, and it lives right. and dies moment to moment on the strength of how interested you are in the character and the quality of each individual song. If that was all it was, and then there's this overarching idea of Deuteronomy's coming back and going to take somebody to the heavy side layer, and then that happens, and right. the show's over. You know, you couldn't have a, like, it's really, really low impact. This show, if it didn't have these races and this idea of a champion and mm-hmm. a goal and these relationships, I wouldn't care about the fact that, like, there's no clean ending to this concept. Well, it's just that you introduce a lot of these ideas. Yeah, and then and then at the end, it's basically, um, oh, the main character, uh, he's been Deuteronomy all along. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly right. That's me. You know. Well, it would be like if Grisab- if if Grizabella found out that she was Deuteronomy. Yes. That would it would be a similar sort of thing. And then like, yeah. but then also that didn't mean anything. Right. Like she just went, oh. But that's not even cool. the ending of the show. That's that's there. There's the epilogue of Greaseball's conversion. D- conversion. Which I get it because you want to end on a big ensemble number. You want to have you know everyone on stage at the end, and, right? And and take that nice photograph that we were just looking we, at, right? A very nice one, <laughs> yes. Um, and boil down, I guess, the message of the show that uh, steam engines are better than steam diesel. Engines are better, and there's or the best because also yeah. Electra's huffed off in a yeah or buzzed off, not right. in a huff. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's. I mean, I'm not going to pretend it's not confusing. Um, but it's only—it's not even that it's like I, I, I shows are confusing. Mm-hmm. There are shows, especially when you have cast albums. That's all you have to go on, and right. you kind of go, "Oh, like this." But if you've seen it in high school, you said you were. I was—I uh, I saw it when I was in college. Okay, but still, it. you're yeah. at the peak of your absorb, like ability mm-hmm. to absorb information mm-hmm. <laughs> as a theater goer. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's shockingly disappointing that it wasn't. But I also get why. Like, it's it's it wouldn't be necessarily a problem you'd see with the show the first time you see it right. or the first time you hear it because it's all kind of coming at you in this really intense way. Right. But it would be like I can imagine as a creator of the show, like the second, third, fifth time you see it, and you're just right. like, man, we really don't. We dropped a lot of threads here. We should probably tie them together, which well, then they try to do. Yeah. It seems and 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 still don't do. And and, and again, and I don't want to keep comparing. Comparing it, but if you look at Les Mis, which obviously is mm-hmm. literature first, um, that show never didn't make sense right. when I was watching. I, yeah, watching the show, I, I saw it uh, um, at, at, during its first tour, mm-hmm. um, and uh, listened to the cast album repeatedly, the London cast album. Um, it never didn't make sense, mm-hmm. and that's a complex show with many characters over spanning long periods Decades, of time. Yes. Yeah. Um, Starlight Express was always sort of a, I don't really know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, and, and I guess you could say, well, the original 
conceit of trains and stuff sort of maybe suggests to you that, okay, this is not going to be a conventional, easy to understand story. But like you said, there are just some basic tenets of storytelling of, right. of like Rusty's triumph you think would just not be so uh, muddy. Yeah. You know? Um, that you just, that, that, I mean, it's like, it's writing 101. Like yeah. we've introduced this idea. We need to then just close that door. We like, we, we've right. thrown that up in the air and we just need to close it. Not even like, you don't have to do it great. You just have to close it, period. Like right. I think. And it's such a, it's always funny. This happens a lot in, it happens a lot more in movies than it does in plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that like, there's such a glaring, like simple solution to this problem that you've you've right. given yourself the out and you just can't see it anymore by the time you get to the end, right. which I totally get as a writer. Like you sometimes, you can't see the forest or the trees a lot when you're in the middle of something. Well, what's interesting is that, um, you know, after the overture, the first song is Rolling Stock, which mm-hmm. is um, essentially a greaseball song, although mm-hmm. it's not his song. It's not Pumping Iron. Um, that comes before Call Me Rusty. So we meet Greaseball first and then the end of the show is about Greaseball's conferred. And Greaseball is nowhere near the protagonist of... No, he's not. The, he's the, the villain. Musical. I mean, yeah. essentially, he's the antagonist. I right. mean, whether he's a villain or not, he's the an- he's Rusty's antagonist. Right. He's the one he's trying to beat in the race. Right. Yeah, and Rusty, that's a fun point because Rusty yeah. is the hero and we do not meet him right away. Meet him quickly, but not right away. That's really... And then he kind of goes away is the other thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he goes away for a while. Right. He and, and Dinah comes back. reconcile. Um, oh, my gosh. She apparently... <laughs> Doesn't fulfill her uh, her goal of calling him a B-A-S-T-A-R-D. Right. Very true. Um, which is too bad. That would have been a nice moment. That would have been a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it never happens. Yeah. Yeah. That could, could be the subtitle of the show, Starlight Express. It could, could have been a nice moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fun – I will say, like, I'm only disappointed because it's trying to be more than I think it is. Like right. I say, if it was more like Cats, I like because I like this better than Cats. Mm-hmm. I think I, I like listening to this music. I do, I do too, actually. Yeah, song yeah. to song, it's a lot of fun. There's some stuff in it that annoys the crap out of me, but it's campy. It's not. It, it, it's all very fun. It's a very right. fun show. And if it didn't have this onus on top of it of clearly, right. of indicating to me it is trying to do something more than it is. Right. If it was just what it like, just, this is just trains racing trains, and they're going to sing. Right. That would be fantastic, but it is it clearly yeah. wants to be a story with a point and a theme and morals and 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 a, an overarching message, and it yeah. just isn't. Like it, it just really, really isn't. Yeah, and and I think uh, you know you you're you're absolutely right in that probably the best way to enjoy it is for its camp value. Yeah, um, because it does have good songs and legitimately good. Some are like I said, are just novelty songs, but but many of many of the actual kind of big character numbers are nice songs. Yeah. Um, this, the story is a mess. Um, and, and I think, you know, you look back across um, Andrew Lloyd Webber's output. Oeuvre. Oeuvre. Yeah. Um, and, and you see so much dealing with uh, messianic characters and paternalistic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and I think he's trying to create that here in a way that is not natural to the structure of these characters because mm-hmm. they they don't automatically come with genders. They don't automatically come with any sort of classist society. I mean, you could look at something like, you know, the freight cars are male and the coach cars are female. Right. But that's imposed. Yes. There's, there's nothing. There's that, barely anything in the names. I mean, a lot of yeah. the names could go either way. Even Rusty could go either way for sure. crying out loud. Like it's, it, it's whatever you decide to, to put on top of it. Yeah. 
Um, and, and the idea of the Starlight Express as whatever that concept is meant to be is introduced um, fairly late into the show. I was going to say, yeah. It's, it's not something ever present. It's not something that, you know, Rusty comes out with a big – Rusty has his introduction song, but it's not an I want song. Right. It's more of just a, yeah, I'm Rusty and I'm Rusty. Yeah. And you can call me Rusty. You can Rusty. call me Rusty. I don't really like I'm my name, rusty. even though I'm Rusty. Yeah. So I accept the name. But, but it's not is, a, I, it wish, does have a I lyric. wish I could race. I right. wish I could get Pearl. That's true. I wish, it's There's not no I wish song in yeah. this show. So I Structurally, it's a damn mess. I mean, I think that yeah. is the, that's kind of what we're, we're landing on here. And yeah. again, if it was just a character piece, none of these things would be essential. It right. would just be, it'd be a good set with some character pieces and some right. catchy tunes. Right. Um, but sitting there in that theater and watching those actors working their butts off, not killing themselves. Right. And I would have loved performing. I mean, yeah. No, I would have loved to have seen this yeah. in its original incarnation. I, I would have been fascinated to see it, and, and but it was yeah. not to be. Um, but yeah, it's a, I mean, my God, just. You see why it's not. I mean, it's, it's and it's also I think something that is not revived, not only because of the huge, right, which would be I mean the huge financial onus on reviving a show like right. this, but also the fact that I think there's no there there like you, yeah. that nobody's taken it on because there's nothing more to explore yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know when I, when I was in London and I I I saw it kind of on a whim, mm-hmm. you know, but but I I also made the choice of. No, I want to see this show because I don't think I'm going to see this show anywhere else. I don't. I don't know that this is going. You know. Yeah. Um, and and so uh, it was really, it was really a conscious decision on my part to to witness something that I don't think I'd ever have the chance to see again. Yeah, and I think that's a very good call. I yeah. think you 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 well because you you put it, it is mm-hmm. there are shows to see for that reason, and right. I think I, I, that's why uh, my in laws just went to see. Um, uh, Natasha and Pierre okay. and the Great Comet of mm-hmm. 1812. And one of the things was I was like, you should see that because th- this is a once-in-a-lifetime. Right. Well, this is great, Kenny. <laughs> thank was. you so much for coming down. Yeah, is, um, uh, so do you have anything coming up where people can – I was going to say see your work, but they would hear your work before they – Hear my right? work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, coming up, I will have uh, Junie B. Jones is Not a Crook. Oh, Adventure at Adventure? Theater. Oh, great. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. That should be a lot of fun. And then we'll see. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. This episode was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, and Imani Mular. If you like the original cast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It's the easiest way to make sure other people find the show. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. My thanks to Kenny Neal for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. (laughs) 